Dude, you're like totally listening to an unabridged version of the Road to Granger. Alright, this is one of your mud man buddies. I'm a splurg, baby. It's read by Brant Trebor. This is like a episode 31. Hope you love it. I'm digging it already. Chapter 31 Hunter Sarah locked up shop for the night. Kevin and Mullet pulled down an immense front gate. A thief would need a year with a hacksaw to get through the gates. A small back door existed, which the pair had created as a one-way door. People could get out of the store quite easily, but only pixies could get back in. Two sets of glowing Nakarian eyes glowed inside the shop. No one had broken in for quite some time. Mullet and the ever-present Tally accompanied Kevin and Sarah on their trip to the doctor. The reptilian Nakarians remained at the store to guard it in their absence. Sarah still did not think this doctor would be able to find anything wrong with her. The feeling of longing remained constant. She felt it pulling her, tugging at her mind like an itch that could not be scratched. She thought again how much she missed her family. John and Lucy joined the foursome, since they had originally designated themselves as Sarah's Pixies. After discussing this with other Pixies, they amended the title so that Sarah was their human, which the rest of the troop approved. Tally lectured the entire group about Dr. Sanger. She droned on about his compassion and his empathy toward all living creatures. As the group approached the clinic, Tally saw two figures exiting the front door. One figure physically threw a fat, balding man out of the clinic. The fat man landed in a heap. He was blubbering while the other figure walked back toward the clinic. You don't understand. I have to have my Delada. It's the only thing that works, really, said the fat man. You don't understand. I can tell when you are lying. I can literally feel your pain, but you don't have any. People like you drain the life out of honest workers everywhere. Don't come back unless you're bleeding or dying, said the doctor, and the door slammed behind him. The fat man continued to roll around on the ground in apparent agony for another ten seconds. Then, without any intervention, he got up and calmly walked down the street. That was your compassionate doctor, wasn't it, Tally? asked Sarah. Mullet chuckled, while Tally, amazingly, said nothing. Once inside, they wrote down Sarah's name, her medical history, as well as her magical history on a sheet at the front of the clinic. A few other patients waited with Sarah. A slim, feline-faced creature yowled in pain. A large wood troll sat calmly reading a book, but it had seven crossbow bolts sticking out of its left arm. Green sap slowly oozed from the bolts, but the creature seemed unfazed. A human mother looked over a small sneezing child who also oozed green sap from a continuously runny nose. After half an hour, Sarah and her party had made it to the front of the line and got called back to a bed. Cameron sat down next to her and introduced himself. He looked around the room and smiled at Mullet and Tally. I see you've made a folk recovery, he said to Tally. The pixie beamed. You know... You owe him a great deal for getting you here so quickly and taking such good care of you, Cameron said, pointing to Mullet. I think her gratitude is starting to kill him, though, said Kevin. Mullet smiled. I know you, said Cameron. 
We met at the tournament a couple months ago. You yanked a hunk of metal out of a rock troll's side and then patched him up. Mullet said you also did a fine job of fixing up the little chatterbox's wings as well, said Kevin. You look familiar as well, Cameron said to Sarah. We met maybe three or so months ago in Hainus. You took care of Thaddeus's firefoot, she said. Oh, yeah, he said. What brings you in today? He looked down at the chart. Sarah? Well, where to start? How about the beginning? Sarah told how she had been feeling homesick. She thought it felt like homesickness, but now that she had thought about it for a while, it felt more like a longing. She felt a pulling inside of her, almost an ache, but she had difficulty describing it. I see you marked other under magical encounters. Anything you're leaving out that might shed some light here? I won't be able to help you unless I understand everything that's happening, said Cameron. He relaxed in his chair, giving her the time to tell it in her own words. Sarah looked around nervously and then asked if they could go somewhere they would not be overheard. Cameron just nodded his head and called out. Maria appeared. Cameron asked for an eye-eye, and she disappeared. She reappeared seconds later with a purple metal circle. She put the circle on the bed. Do you have any problem with the people here listening or just strangers nearby? asked Cameron, motioning towards Mullet and Kevin. No, I just don't want anyone nearby listening. They already know the story, said Sarah, nodding at Mullet and Kevin. Cameron pressed down on the purple metal. A sphere of purple light slowly grew from the circle and passed over the small group. When all of the group were inside of the sphere, he released the disc. The sphere stopped growing at that point, surrounding only the group. The silence inside was immediate and absolute. Whoa, can we get one of those to put around Tally? asked Lucy. Now no one outside the sphere can hear you, so please continue. Sarah looked at Kevin and Mullet. Kevin still seemed nervous. He stopped Sarah before she spoke and asked Mullet to take one last look into Cameron. Mullet sighed and looked at Cameron questioningly. If that's what it takes, go ahead, said Cameron. Mullet again gazed into Cameron's eyes and concentrated. He scanned Cameron for an ill intent or for any possible link or allegiance to King Zolf. He found nothing. He also tried to find anything pertaining to him being a vampire, but Cameron pulled back as he prodded. Find everything you needed? asked Cameron. Mullet nodded. Sarah told the whole story. The only thing she left out was the seer's declaration of her being a chosen. Cameron listened quietly as she told of her visit to the seer. But the weird thing is, ever since the seer did well, whatever she did to me, well, I, I just feel this pull. I, I tried to explain it to the guys, but I really don't know what it is myself. It's as if I need to go somewhere. The feeling changes from day to day, yet I can feel it pulling. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just depressed or simply feeling weird, having found out my aura is special or something like that. I don't know, said Sarah. Hmm, well, Kevin could be right. You might just be coming down with the flu and the timing is all coincidental, but I doubt it. I want to run a few baseline tests, but I expect them to come back negative. I think I know what is happening, but I need to rule out all the other possibilities first, said Cameron. The nurse came back and drew some blood samples. 
Kevin smiled at Marie. So you help people, and if you need it, you can have your nurse pound the lights out of anyone who causes trouble, Kevin said. We don't have repeat troublemakers here, said Marie. She disappeared with the blood samples and the purple disc and Cameron. The noise of the clinic instantly returned. They waited in their tiny room. Cameron returned a short time later. Well, as I suspected, everything came back normal. Sarah, I would like to try something. It's a little out of the ordinary. One of my talents is that I can experience my patient's symptoms. If you don't mind, I would like to do that so that I can feel what it is you're trying to describe to me. Are you okay with that? He asked. Does it hurt? She asked. No. <sighs> well, it seems everyone else has been looking inside my brain. Why don't we just start a party in there? But if it can help figure out what's going on, go for it. Cameron leaned close to Sarah and put his hands on Sarah's temples. A small flash of blue came from her eyes. They both remained still for a few minutes. Cameron appeared to be lost in thought, and Sarah looked completely blank. Sarah let out a slight sigh and then blinked a few times, her consciousness returning. Cameron let out a shout of laughter. I, I, I knew it! I never thought I would see it! Never! said Cameron. He called Marie over, and she again made the barrier of silence with the eye-eye. The purple sphere of light again covered the group. What? What, what is it? asked Sarah. Sarah, you are the hunter, the first of the chosen, said Cameron. Sarah paused. Kevin had wanted her to keep that knowledge private, but it seems the doctor had figured it out on his own. That's what they tell me, but I don't think I really know what the hunter is, Sarah said. <laughs> you feel the next chosen. The group of five chosen is trying to come together. You alone have the ability to find the other four chosen. You can reunite them again. With the Chosen assembled once more, well, that, that could change everything. Literally. You can find the people who can end the Dark King's madness, said Cameron. Kevin looked at Mullet, who remained solemn. You sure about this? Kevin asked the doctor. She is the hunter foretold by every seer since the Dark King began his reign. She's the one who can end the war, said Cameron. Let me show you. Cameron left the room and came back with a shiny, large, black cube. He twisted the top of the cube, and it opened smoothly. From inside, he pulled out a black, leather-bound book with golden writing across the front in letters that Sarah had never seen before. Kevin's eyes went wide. Is that a copy of the Solia trailer? It is, said Cameron. All copies of the Solia trailer were destroyed. Weren't they? asked Kevin. All known copies, said Cameron. Who are you, really? asked Kevin. Cameron ignored him. What? What is it? asked Sarah. It's a copy of the original prediction made by the seer who told the Mad King he would not reign forever. It's the prediction that his reign could come to an end. The hunter is the first to appear. Only the hunter can feel the pull of the location toward wherever the other Chosen are located. Only once the Chosen are all reunited can we have a chance to stop the Dark King once and for all, said Cameron. Whoa, wait, wait, don't I get a say in all this? I mean, some loony lady says I have some undiscovered 
talent and then cast a spell on me and now I feel homesick. So now you guys want me to go and fight a war? said Sarah, her voice rising. The two paladins looked at Sarah and then at Marie and Cameron. You don't understand what this really means, said Cameron. Marie worked as a war sage, gaining information to fight the Dark King. Your two friends are paladins. I'm sure they've told you what that involves to some small degree, but all of us, all of us are pawns. We can hardly even chip at the surface of the Dark King's march to power. His borders have been slowly expanding for decades, and nothing can prevent him from slowly taking over the world. This prophecy... Cameron paused, holding up the small black cube, told that there might be a chance to stop him. Very few know that the hunter is able to find the other chosen. When the hunter finds all the chosen, then they together can stop King Zolf's reign. But it all begins with the hunter, which is, well, it's not a job you sign up for. As far as we can tell, the previous hunters have all been random creatures from all walks of life, said Cameron. Sarah let out a choked groan. Are you all crazy? What if I just say no? Kevin put a reassuring hand on her shoulder. Uh, There's no choice to make. Call it fate or luck or destiny or whatever, but you're the only one. There have been other hunters before you. Often they don't even know that they have the gift, but you, well, you found it in the company of two paladins. You have a better chance than any hunter before you said Cameron. And what if I still say no? asked Sarah stubbornly. Cameron looked grim. The pull only gets stronger with time. A hunter eventually follows the pull or loses his or her sanity. Only one hunter exists at a time. When that one dies, another one is born, said Cameron. What Cameron says is true. You're the hunter. The time to keep you in the dark is past. There's a war going on, Sarah. Many have died already, but it's still just at the beginning, said Kevin. So why haven't these chosen people stopped him then? Sarah asked. The king's been hunting chosen ever since he killed the five who met with him two centuries ago. As long as he prevents the hunter from finding the rest of the chosen... He's safe, said Kevin. Ha! What an idiot. He'd have to wait a lifetime for them to die off. Wouldn't that just mean he would be about to die as well? Asked Tally. King Zolf has ruled for over 200 years now, and from what I'm told, he still looks like he's a young man. He's been sapping life from his subjects for centuries, said Kevin. Hold on, you mean his plan could work, said Sarah. No, his plan did work, said Cameron. But how will the Chosen stop him, she asked. No one knows. With no Chosen for two centuries, their history's been muddled. The hunter's the only one who can feel the Chosen. In the past, the hunters might have to seek out one chosen, maybe two, during the hunter's lifetime. Normally, this would be a time of great joy and excitement, since anyone in the world could be the next chosen. As soon as the hunter finds a chosen, their life is forever changed. But now, well, 
There's no chosen, and you're the only one who knows where they are, said Marie. Unfortunately, it also makes you a wanted person. The Dark King will want to capture you, said Cameron. Wait, I, I thought you said that this King guy was some sort of ruthless person. Why, why wouldn't he just kill the hunters if he, if he wants to capture them, she asked. You're exactly right. We paladins have heard stories which I reckon have more than a shade of truth to them. From what I was told, he just killed the chosen he caught at first, but as soon as he killed one, another will be born to replace it. This is why we paladins have been trying to keep the chosen safe, said Kevin. It's even worse than that, said Cameron. The king learned that capturing a hunter would prevent the rest of the chosen from coming together. Thus, if he captured the hunter and kept them alive under lock and key, he would be fine. Remember, only one hunter is alive at a time. King Zol found a way to locate the previous hunters, and since then he prevents each hunter from dying under his watch, said Cameron. So the hunters would just live out their lives in the Dark King's kingdom and never be the wiser? asked Sarah. Hardly, said Marie. As a war sage, I learned much of the history of how the king handled his prisoners. The hunters who get caught live a life of misery. The king does not care that the hunter has no control over being chosen to their fate. He enjoys knowing that the one who has a chance of ending his reign spends their lives in helpless despair. <laughs> he will occasionally torture a potential hunter for hours at a time, said Marie. But I thought he wanted the hunters to be alive for a long time, said Sarah. Oh, yes, each would get the best health care of anyone in the kingdom, but that did not stop him from hurting them. The king has very talented healers. According to what I've been taught, the hunters would beg for their deaths, but obviously the king wants the hunter to be alive for as long as possible, since the death of a hunter only starts the search for the next one all over again, said Marie. So these hunters would live long lives? Asked Tally from Mullet's shoulder. Not usually. Even with the constant supervision of healers, hunters have died from the pull. They cannot seek chosen. They feel the spell guiding them towards the other people they need to find. Each day would be slightly worse than the previous. With time, the simple fact that they were not allowed to search for the other chosen drives them mad. Hunters usually die during their imprisonment despite being fed and cared for, said Marie. So they kill themselves? asked Sarah. Well, in a way, the Dark King kills them, said Marie. By locking them up, they eventually lose their will to live. But I'm 23. Wouldn't I have felt this pull long ago? Sarah asked. She seemed numb to the information being thrown at her. Kevin looked at her sympathetically. The seer told us that somehow your talent and aura were masked. With your talent being cloaked, the pull must have been hidden as well. Your homesick feeling must be the pull leading you to the first chosen. So what happens when I find all these people? Sarah asked. No one knows. For over 200 years, none of the hunters have ever found all the people they needed to, Kevin said. Oh, why is that? Sarah asked. They all died first, said Cameron. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can buy a hard copy of this book on Amazon, or if you want it on Kindle, it's available as well. 
Please remember to tune in every Monday for the next chapter. See you then.